Hello my brothers, this is Nick Gemmel, the Awakened Tradesman, and the topic of today's episode is Erecting Integrity, a discussion with Heath Kai. Sit back and relax and listen to today's tale from the trench. Hey Heath. Nick. Nice to have you on. Great to be here my friend, great to be here. Always love having fellow tradesmen on the on the call. <laughs> Uh-huh. So I'd just like to, uh, let's jump in and just let everyone know who you are. Okay. My name's Heath Kai. Uh, I'm a tradesman of uh, basically just 22 years. Today is, what, August 27th? and um, Or sorry, April 27th. And April 20th is my anniversary date for when I started in the trade. Um, uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a scaffolder by trade, but I'm also... Uh, that's through the Carpenters Union, so I'm a carpenter as well. And um, I just have uh, more experience, and uh, my career took me more into scaffolding than it did into carpentry. Um, I've done various things uh, in my life, just like most tradesmen, uh, but that is uh, what's defined my income for the last much over a decade, <laughs> is from being a scaffolder. So <clears throat> lots of climbing up and down. Yeah, that's right. Lots of uh, lots of uh, lots of erections of scaffolds <laughs> in that time. Yeah, uh, and um, uh, yeah, um, I'm a certified journeyman in the trade, of course. Uh, but uh, I also uh, have uh, worked as a estimator and uh, business development, and most recently as a project manager. Sweet. So you've seen the, the whole the whole gambit, like right from the. The guy on the ground to in the office telling people what yeah. to do. Hey? Yes, yes, as far as the trade goes and also as far as the industry of construction goes as well. I've uh, been involved uh, with that from um, like putting together tenders um, right till like a completion of a project. Top of beam, I have a picture of myself um, standing on the top of beam uh, at the boat tower in downtown Calgary. I was on that project since it was a pit in the ground. Uh, before there was uh, even pour one of concrete on that. And um, uh, yeah, I've also been part of uh, the conceptual stage as well, working with architects. So I've worked in, I've worked in um, the entire process of the construction progress, uh, project as well. Crazy. No, I love it. And like what I love is, when when guys go through the motions right where they're not just right from the bottom all the way to the top and being able to put in the time to be able to to know the process right yeah yeah and that's interesting with scaffolding because uh because uh and this is uh this is kind of the meat and potatoes is that um uh we don't do um permanent things so we will be on a project for sometimes the entire project because um shoring is usually part of scaffolding as well or at least reshore is and um uh but we don't we don't uh, and i say this all the time we don't rig steel or put bolts in we don't uh, weld pipe we don't uh you know uh, install drywall we're not ism people we help people to do their trade right so when people are uh, working in a place that's uh, hard to access or working at heights, we make it safe for them to do so. We worked right alongside every single one of the iron workers 
uh, on the boat tower, which is the largest steel structure at the time of completion. It was the largest steel structure in Canadian history. And um, it, still, it still boasts the largest curved diagrid on the planet. Uh, and that diagrid is one piece of steel. You could, you could tear down the entire building, 800 feet of diagrid still standing. And, um, uh, of course, it doesn't, it doesn't get installed as one piece of steel. It's welded into one piece of steel. So every joint, every single joint of that tower had a scaffold enclosure around it uh, so that welders could be working on either side of the building. And the diagrid is, uh, there's about a six-foot gap between the building and that grid. And that's what allows there to be no internal bracing in the building. And, um, uh, and it's huge. And we would have to, we would have to build scaffolds that are cantilevered out from the building and sometimes, uh, hung from those cantilevered uh, tubes. So we would cantilever out 10 feet and hang down 12 feet from a cantilevered tube, just on a two inch tube. And, um, we were, we were, we were the trade that was always at greater risk. And because of that, you always think that you're, you know, King shit a poop town. Hey, can we swear on this uh, podcast? Oh yeah, you, you can have you, at it. You've you've dropped a couple f bombs on here before. I'm a I'm I'm a listener. Um, and so uh, so yeah. Um, but because we do that, um, nothing that we do is permanent. And so kind of to kind of to speak on some of the other concepts that we'll be talking about. A lot of times in my trade specifically. Um, it attracts people that don't have anything permanent in their life, right? And that don't have any sense of permanency because the, the, that, that's like we build stuff and we tear it down. Um, it's also really easy uh, in our trade to um, uh, cut corners because you're trained on how to build a scaffold, how to keep it safe, how to build, how to build it within code. But a lot of times you have to remove a handrail or you have to have a hole in the deck um, in order for it to work in in the space. Mm-hmm. And so you can you can have a scaffold that is made of just sticks and stone, and as long as it's written on the tag with what has been omitted and what all of the uh, hazards are, it's still considered good. Um, and so a lot of times, um, a lot of times, some scaffolds scaffolders we'll get uh, caught in the kind of the cyclone of what we call, uh, um, you know, scabby work where it's like, yeah, no, it's good enough because we're tearing it down tomorrow. So who cares? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's, and that speaks to the temporary nature of our trade. Yeah. And so there's so many, so many guys who everything becomes temporary. Right. And um, that's why like um, a, a lot of scaffolders find it hard to hold on to relationships. Uh, they find it uh, really hard to hold on to money <laughs> lots of times. Um, they find it uh, hard to hold on to things that are permanent because the very nature of what we do and what we spend most of our time doing, because this is what absorbs us, this runs across all trades, mm-hmm. is that we spend, uh, so we'll spend 10 to 12 hours at work every day. Well, there's only 24 hours in a day. And we have to sleep for five to six of them, absolute minimum. So when we're spending all of this time at work, that is our life. Yep. That becomes our life, right? And that's what throws off the whole work life balance for everybody, right? No, and that's what I wanted to get into next was like, I guess. I know. If you, I had, know. To, if you had to pick your struggles, uh, <laughs> like the two, yeah, what would be the two biggest struggles that you see um, with trades and in particular? And well, and what you know in scaffolding. Uh, yeah. 
I think 100% what the biggest struggle is for, if we're talking about the individuals and not the actual trade, is work-life balance. Mm -hmm. And that is, that is the greatest struggle. And so in those, you have the two struggles, which is just like work and family, right? Work and family. Those are the two biggest things. Absolutely. Because, uh, and I've, I've been writing about this a little bit, um, uh, is like you have to show up just as much for each of them. And if you don't show up, you lose. You start losing on either side. So you have to show up for work. If you're not consistently showing up for work and you're, and you're not consistently showing up as your best self and for the best that you can do, then that starts to be reflected in how much you're utilized. That starts to be reflected in the quality of work. That starts to be reflected in your success. And if uh, you do the same for the family, if you're not showing up uh, as the best you possibly can and as your best self for your family, then you start losing out on that too. Your children start to not know who you are. Um, you know, projects at home get put on the back burner. Um, marriage gets put on the back burner or relationship, depending on what your situation is, gets put on the back burner. Um, and all of those things, if you're not building them, um, they're dying. It's just like your body. If you're not feeding yourself constantly, then you will start to die. And even though you might be losing weight, it's because you're dying. Oh, right? Just yeah. like, just like, just like anything you go over in your coaching, uh, with the core four, right. With body being balanced business mm -hmm. um, in all of those things, if you are not feeding all of them, then they start to die. Mm -hmm. And that's what the biggest struggle, I believe what the biggest struggle with any tradesman is, um, because we're required to work so much, especially in today's day and age. Um, and, um, I don't know that the problem is specific to Alberta, but, um, uh, people that work, uh, on the construction side and maintenance side of oil and gas, as you well know, are just never home. Uh, we're always traveling. I chose not to do that specifically because my father would also work in the same trade. Um, my, I, I come from a family, um, mainly of ironworkers. Uh, which is why I have the New York lunch behind me. This is like our, this is like our, uh, uh, everyone, every single tradesman in our family has one of these in their home. Uh, my father has eight brothers and every single one of them are iron because all of their sons are iron. All of my cousins are iron because my father and I are carpenters. And there is not one of these men in his family that has ever been able to stay married or stay in a relationship. And it's because we're never home. Um, I chose not to work away from home and I chose to do whatever it takes to be able to just stay in Calgary and build a career in Calgary, build a name, build a reputation in Calgary so that I would not have to work out of town because I knew exactly where that was going to be. And that's where it leads for everybody. Right. So when you're, when you spend like, just like your story, when you're spending, you know, um, uh, uh, out of, out of a month, you know, if you're spending 24 or 25 days on the road or away, right? Mm -hmm. Then there, when you come back, that is, you are not part of the equation at all when you come back because their life happens absolutely without you. Yeah. And then when you are back, you're just, it's weird to be there. You're an inconvenience. You're just trying to fit in. It's not, you're not part of that jam, right? And no, so, yeah. And I've, it's interesting. I've, it is interesting that you talked about your father, right? So you're, everybody... Yeah. So you've seen that, like, you know what that feels like yeah. on the other side as the child, like not, 
yeah, with dad gone and everybody and watching the rest of your, you know, your cousins, right? Not having yeah. their dad around and seeing how that affects everybody, right? And it's yeah. and that's what I that's what I'm very passionate about is like we chose to do that. Like we we chose to do that life because there is well, there used to be fruit at the end of the tunnel. You know what I mean? Like there used to be something that drew us to it. And now with the economy, it's all everything is up in the air for sure. Right. Yeah. But for like the last two decades, it's been up and down and it's, and it's crazy. Like you try to, you try to get ahead and then you're not. And so you're, you're now you're away already and you're not making the money that you think you're going to be making because you're not, it's very inconsistent. And then yeah. you're still having struggles at home because now you're at home and now you just want to be away working and making money because you, you didn't make enough when you were gone last time that you thought, right? Yeah. And all of this stuff is going through your head and you're like, man, so to be present at home, almost impossible if you're not, if you're not dealing with all four areas of your life, right? Like we t- like you right. touched on, right? That's right. And it and it's interesting how that all works. And it's kind of um, like you to touch on like how we met, I guess, and what you saw in what I was kind of throwing out there on social media and and all that. Um, like what drew. After all of that, after seeing your dad gone, after, you know, watching your uncles and all that stuff and, and then the struggles in your own life, how did, uh, like what, yeah, what drew you to that, to me? To the trade? Oh man, that is such a good question, Nick, and I've answered this so many times. I love answering this question. So what drew me specifically to carpentry in general was the fact that, yes, I am the son of a carpenter and, um, my father is also mixed race. So he's not white at all. He's half Chinese and he's half Lakota Sioux. And so that played another factor as well as I was growing up in the 80s. Um, so in 1982, we, uh, we had that huge recession crash that like basically almost wiped out, um, especially Western Canada. And we were so poor that we would be living off of rice and pancakes and whatever we could get from farmers. And because dad was a carpenter and because nobody can take that away from you, once you get that red seal, once you are certified in a trade, no fucking buddy can take that away from you, right? right? Because he was a carpenter, he was able to not just uh, not just help farmers, but help them actually like build stuff that's going to last, and um, you know, hang doors and build barns, and do concrete projects and whatnot, especially right. And that was extremely valued. And nobody had money. Nobody had money. But that became a point where. It showed me as a small child that a tradesman, uh, like the true essence of using it as a trade. So he would do work for gasoline. He would do work for beef and he would do work for lentils and corn and wheat. Right. Uh, and so we, uh, we would, we would trade goods all the time. I remember, I remember, uh, we never had specific animals, but, um, we drove to a farmer's, uh, uh, um, uh, acreage where my father had done some work and we, I picked out a pig that was slaughtered. And then we, we, we took home the whole pig, um, after it was butchered, this, uh, this specific, um, farmer butchered his own stuff. So that's why I chose the trade because I knew that a trade is transferable wherever you go. If you are a doctor in India, that qualifies you to be a janitor in Canada. Right. Yeah. And it's the same, same thing here. 
doctors, doctors in North America are certified to sweep streets, right, in, um, yeah, in, in other places of the world. But if you are a tradesperson, right, whether it's, and it doesn't matter what trade, it could be masonry, carpentry, electrical, could be welding like yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can do that anywhere on the planet, anywhere on the planet. And that's why I chose a trade, because the world is always going to need trades, always going to need trades. Uh, as long as there's industry and infrastructure and any kind of progress happening, they will need trades, and the uh, and and trades will never be out of style. And if you are certified in a trade, then you are certified for life. Nobody nobody can say that you're not. That's why I chose the trade. Yeah, no, and hundred percent, hundred percent. And so with that, like even though you you stayed. Yeah, you stayed in town and you had that life. What, um, uh, with those struggles that we already talked about, like, and that's all tradesmen, right? That yeah. do struggle with that. How do, or how did you end up finding me and what drew you to that in particular? I guess. Well, I first found you because you had done a promoted post on Instagram. And I saw... I saw the name Awakened Tradesman, and I was like, this is me. Like, I'm an Awakened Tradesman. Um, I was thinking at the time, like, um, I've always had a very good balance of, um, I've always had a very good balance of, uh, like, emotional maturity and uh, emotional intelligence and um, and um, a, a really healthy spiritual life as well. Um, my, uh, my mom used to like we, we were, we were doing holistic things before the word holistic, before people knew what that meant. I remember doing a project in high school on holistic health and there wasn't anybody, including teachers that understood what that was. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was, you know, 25 years ago. Um, and we've always been, we've always been big uh, in our family on balance. Like that. And um, that's how I, that's how I found you. Was I saw a week in trades on this, but that's, that's fantastic. That I don't know who this guy is, but I got to, I got to find it. Clicked on it. And, um, your Instagram is mostly like, uh, um, your live stories, uh, is what you concentrate on. Right. Yeah. But there was a few different podcasts. And after I had listened to like a couple of your podcasts, some of them are extremely short. Some of them are not. So some of yours are 15 minutes of just you talking. Some are like, you know, an hour long interview with somebody or, or, or you are being interviewed for an hour. Yep. And uh, the more I heard, the more I was like, oh, no, this, uh, this is a guy that, um, that I need to get to know, and I need to know what he's doing, right? And then when I contacted you, uh, and we had, uh, had a back-and-forth and, back exchange a couple of times, so we, uh, we, uh, we had an immediate connection on um, basically what every middle-aged tradesman has a connection on. And then you started telling me about uh, uh, the Men of Iron uh, projects that you were doing and, uh, and, uh, the, the steps that you've taken to get yourself out of the pit, like, <laughs> like, uh, doing two months, uh, you know, on a mountainside with, uh, shaven head, uh, uh, monks, uh, <laughs> cross-legged, uh, meditating, you know, under waterfalls type of thing. Right? Well, that might be taken a little too far, but yeah, yeah. Rehab in Thailand. Yeah. That's definitely what it was. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think of all places to have rehab, Thailand is the funniest just because like, I shouldn't say funniest, but it would be um, like, of course you would think, okay, yeah, 
you know, in some sort of monastery in Thailand, that makes sense. But like Thailand is also, you know, where every single boiler maker I know goes to like, you know, um, blow off steam, yeah. blow off steam <laughs> find a wife uh, or, or many, or, you know, do a lot of hot changing. That's what it is. Yeah. There's a reason why they pick you up like at the airport right outside the baggage claim. Like they pick you up right there and there's no running around Bangkok beforehand. There's a reason yeah. that's set up that way. So is it I, is it Bangkok or is it banging cock? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know if we're allowed to say those things. Other yeah, whatever. Yeah, we could say whatever we want. It doesn't matter. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And so, so you seen what I was doing, and yeah, I get. And then we talked a bit, and I guess like once I was just talking about the men of iron and the tools that we were using, what. What made you want to go farther with that? And and then well, it was it's because you wanted to go farther, Nick. <laughs> That's um, true. You you uh, you came back from one of these things, and you had an experience there where they had said, "Well, maybe you should start your own coaching." Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if I was one of the first people you approached. I know I mean I know I'm in your first coaching group. Yeah. But um, uh, I knew that um, yeah, that would be a good idea to be part of part of being a tradesman. Um, this is kind of a segue, but part of being a tradesman is being in a constant state of learning. And you have to be, to be a tradesman. You can't just like what I said before about nobody can take that away from you. Right. Nobody can. But if you don't, if you are not in a constant state of learning, you will become obsolete just like anything else. Right. As the world changes, as people change, as technology changes, the construction industry changes, if you don't change with it and if you don't learn, right, then you become obsolete and useless. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and what I, uh, I've trained lots of apprentices, I've trained lots of journeymen as well, even more. And what I, what I've always tried to tell journeymen is your first job is to teach apprentices. Your second job is to not stop learning yourself. Right? And I, I tell apprentices, um, uh, oh, I tell, oh, or I tell the journeyman, don't, don't just tell your apprentice, uh, ask any questions if you have, because they don't know what questions to ask because, and this is the, this is the buzz line right here. We don't know what we don't know, mm-hmm. right? And so that's where things like coaching comes in. So it's like, okay, I'm in the pit. Okay, uh, I think it's because, uh, you know, I spent too much time at work. Or I think it's because, uh, you know, um, maybe, um, uh, you know, this is happening in my marriage. Or I think it's because, and it's easy to play the, the blame game, especially we as human beings. Um, some of us are naturally empathetic. Some of us have to really work to be empathetic and think about how our actions affect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, uh, so, uh, so, so much of our uh, life, right, uh, as we live it as adults as well, is, um, uh, is like never accept blame, right? Which teaches you to own nothing, right? And if you're, if you're own, owning nothing, then you're not accountable for anything. And then there's, you know, the, the, the lines of right and wrong become obscured as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a long segue. Anyways, um, we don't know what we don't know is the important part, right? And so when you're stuck in a situation like so many people in the midlife triangle of chaos, which, you know, I don't know who came up with that, but that is something that is immediately relatable to anybody that's there, is just the phrase midlife triangle of chaos. Because the whole world survives off of us. We pay the most taxes. We are often raising children and taking care of our parents at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. When you're middle-aged. Uh, it's the time when you're in that, that your marriage is under the most stress, 
mm-hmm. because of work-life balance, because of, you know, kids take a lot of attention and it's hard to focus attention on your marriage and on your spouse or relationship. Um, so yeah, it is chaos. And you're also the busiest because kids are busy doing stuff, right? And we are, are busy doing stuff, right? You, 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 um, you said your experiences were like, you know, golf and bikes and whatnot and how that was such a huge priority and then powerlifting, bodylifting. Yep. Mine was doing, uh, doing a lot of volunteering. Um, I have a theater background. That's actually how my wife and I met was doing theater. And um, so um, doing a lot of, and, and I have marketable skills in, in that world as well. So um, uh, doing a lot of volunteering uh, yeah, in that area as well. Uh, and uh, just being too busy, you know, and we're never quiet enough. And the, uh, what usually ends up happening is we don't take time for a relationship. We don't take time for ourselves because work always has to be a priority. And that's how we're programmed. Yeah. That's how everybody's programmed from generation from that's generational program about how you have to take care of your job first because you don't take care of your job. You don't take care of anything else because you don't have money, right? Where it's like, that is bullshit, <laughs> right? right? So, start, right, industrial revolution is where it all started. Yeah, now, it is. Then it was, right, before that it was dudes on the farm raising their kids. Like the kids were helping dad work on the farm. Like so yep. there was that interaction all the time. And then yep. it went from from that where everybody was together all day long, right? They had lunch together, they had coffee together, they had dinner together, and they worked together all day. And yeah. then all of a sudden, industrial revolution, boom, dad's gone. He's 12 yeah. hours in the in the factory, right? Yeah. And then exhausted when he came home, went to bed and did it again. And then it's evolved from that to just yeah, now mom's working as well, right? Yeah. So now the kids it's they don't have a chance yeah to have yeah. what they should have so how do you yep. get that right yeah. so that's what like what you touched on the midlife triangle of chaos right is married with kids and most of us either your own business or as an employee you're still responsible to make money somehow yeah. so and <laughs> and whether whether you're an entrepreneur business owner or an employee there's never enough money there's never enough money right mm-hmm. and so you're always under constant pressure to be um to be making more money yeah. and so when when you're an entrepreneur um it's uh it's getting more contracts it's making more uh making more contacts uh, getting more business uh drumming up more revenue and when you're an employee it's how much overtime can I work yeah. and both of those boil down to time Mm-hmm. Both of those boil 100% down to time, mm-hmm. and when you're spending when you're when you're spending that time chasing that money, that is time that you are not spending on raising a family and investing in your legacy, your your actual legacy, right? Not your monetary legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's time that you're not spending doing that. No, because and what? Yeah, and what the biggest thing that I see with it is who's left or who's left wanting yeah it's it's you right yeah it's it's yourself that gets lost in this whole mix of Mm -hmm. wanting to please everybody else and being responsible for everybody else right so you're grinding your your ass off right to make money and then come home and try to be around the family because Mm -hmm. you're exhausted from all the other shit and then trying to be a good dad and then a good it's like 
a good husband like are you kidding me like how do you yeah without without somebody like i like to talk um when you're a kid right you had a baseball coach or you had some sort of basketball or whatever someone was there to help you to learn how to hit that ball to learn how to jump higher learn how to do all of this stuff and then we get to be an adult and then boom here you go you're off to work now you're on your own doesn't matter if you went to school for you know anytime like as soon as you were done school whatever that was post-secondary trades didn't matter high school grade 10 whatever (laughs) as Mm -hmm. soon as you were done you were on your own and now you were left like okay what do i do now now i'll I'll figure it out i'll just figure it out right yeah and it's and it's and it's pass fail sink or swim (laughs) exactly yeah so So that's where that's where the coaching comes in when you're like in the in the you know midlife after you've been there and uh, you're in the struggles and it just feels like you're treading water, right? Mm-hmm. It feels like all I can do is keep doing what I have been doing, right? And people don't know how to do it differently or how to change. That's where we have to acknowledge that we don't know what we don't know. <laughs> and that's where we have to look for tools that we haven't used before. Look for new tools and new methods because the only way to change is to do something different. Right? Yeah, and it's, and that's why and that's why that's why I agreed uh, that's why I agreed to coaching and that's why I'm glad I agreed to coaching. Yeah, no, and we're we're happy to have you, and it's a great addition to the crew. And it's so we won't go into details, but on the very first day, I asked you like what the facts were of your life, and mm-hmm. it was a pretty good story. yeah it was a a pretty good story of and that's what we find most most of us are we're good storytellers of right this could be this could be better or you know i could work out more i kind of work out i do but i don't and yeah it was a pretty good story i must say right yeah and of course it all just boils down to it all of it boils down to what i didn't know Right. And so that comes down to uh, what we were, what we went over in the very first uh, session, which was core four, mm-hmm. right. The body being balanced business. And I was not taking care of the core four. I was taking care of parts of the core four. <laughs> right. But if you don't, if you take care of only parts of the core four, the core four crumbles around. I, I said in that first one, facts of my life are like uh, at that time, I'm semi important, right. Because uh, in, in our trade, um, we, uh, it, it gets slow. This was in January that we started. It's, it's slow usually in like December, January, and February, right? Um, I had recently been let go from my project manager position, uh, in August and, uh, I had gone back on the tools, uh, and, uh, and my marriage was on fire. That's what, that's what the facts were, um, at, at the time that we started. Mm-hmm. And it, and it boiled down to, boiled down to, um, I was giving, you know, 100% effort here and then dropping it to give 100% effort over here and then dropping that to give 100% effort over here. And in a constant juggle like that, uh, unless you're juggling all balls at the same time, you drop everything. Yeah. 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 And it's it's just gaining traction back into yourself. And that's where we have to start, right? If If we're aligned, then everything else, we, it makes sense why we're doing what we want to do in those areas. But if we're not, and, and it's not like I, 
I am not a psychologist. I 1000% am not a psychologist, but I know what the hell I did wrong in a lot yep. of areas because, and how I didn't show up. Why it happened, I'm still figuring out, you know, a lot of that stuff. That's the psychological stuff. But the tools, like I know how I'm getting traction and how it's working. And I'd love, man, if if more people want to learn how to do that, that's what I can do. Like that's personally what I can do. I can only tell you how I screwed it up. And if it sounds similar (laughs) to what you got going on, then we can talk. Because yeah. I know how to, I know how to fuck it up. Yeah. I, what you mean, what you're talking about is turning on the flashlight. <laughs> yeah. We can't, we can't find our way out of the dark until we turn on the flashlight. Yeah. Right. And turn on the flashlight is the first step. <laughs> and then you can identify through that flashlight, through that first tool of, oh, fuck, mm-hmm. look at this. You know, I lit a trail of fire behind me. Now it's just ashes. Right. And so, yeah, it's just turning on the flashlight. No, but like we'd like to say, like you, we all, and it's everybody, we all look through this lens of this is all of our beliefs, our parents, what our parents taught us, like just our surroundings. Like we just, this is what we look through and that's our tunnel vision. And for a lot of us, yeah, it's go to work, go home, get laid, get paid or other way around, get paid, get laid. Right. And it's that mentality doesn't work anymore. And how many of us around the ages, right, 40, you know, the 40 to 50-year-old range, like that's what... We'll we'll call it 40-something. We'll call it (laughs) 40-somethings, right? But that's what, and I'm not saying, like, that was never my dad, but his job was to go and make money. And mom worked as well, but we never saw dad. He was on shift work, right? Um, When we did, he was, you know, catching up, sleeping. You know, he worked for the city. It's not like he was... You know, he was a city worker, which is awesome. Yeah. Like, that's what I knew. And that's still to this day, like you have a family history of how you got in the trades. I was like one of the few. I was the only one that broke out and did it. My brother did after um, in refrigeration. But I was the only one in the family that decided to go in the trades route. So out of, yeah. out of how many siblings? How many siblings? Oh, Nick? only one brother. Only one brother. Oh, okay. Right? But very small. We have a, you know, even outside, it's a small family, right? Mm-hmm. But still. Um, so, yeah. So, there was no one. Yeah. I just fell into it because I loved it. it the, the first time I picked up a grinder, for God's sakes, and I made sparks and I thought it was so freaking cool. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. Right? But we go back to, like, the lens. It's like, this is all we know. I like yeah. I thought if I made more money the family would be happy. But now what I'm finding is if I'm actually doing things that I like, I have more time for them and I'm more aligned with you know with what they want because I can see outside of my freaking bubble. Yeah. And then I I'm actually doing what I love, the money will come. But we look outside, we look at money being the factor that's going to save everything. And then it ruins everything. Yeah. Right? Just well, that's, that's, that's on a biblical level there, Nick. Money is the root of all evil. No man can serve two masters. Exactly, right? <laughs> exactly. And, but it's, man, it's not to get biblical, but yeah, it's, it's true. When we save ourselves yeah. and we do what we're aligned with, man, it's, we have more space to make better decisions. 
okay, I can do this. I'm going to go do this job because it makes sense rather than chasing the money here where I can make a little less money and have a life, right? Yeah. But even in that, we still mm -hmm. get lost, right? Mm -hmm. Somehow, because that's what society is. It's just tearing us in a thousand different ways, right? So that's why we deal in the core four, like we talked, right? Yeah. And you're just seeing like, you know, you've been doing it for, well, 90 days now. Um, well, exactly yeah. here in a few days. And how have you seen the traction with that goal? Like, or the difference, I guess. Oh, it's huge, but you have to use the tools as well, right? Yeah. So it's not just if it, just like just like anything, just like in a trade. This is why I think this. That's why, that's why I think that like uh, tradesmen would be good at this, uh, is because uh, a building doesn't get built unless you actually put in the work, right? And a job doesn't get done unless you actually put in the work. So we're used to putting in the work, and we're used to completing the work, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and as far as that uh, daily core four goes uh it takes consistency and the uh just like anything else the more you do it the easier it becomes uh and then the more it starts to come into balance and life and alignment so the changes for me in the last 90 days um uh have been uh on uh, more of a mental level than anything i've felt more balanced now than i ever have um uh I, i'm not an entrepreneur so i'm an employee and this uh, COVID situation has decimated work. Yeah. So I haven't been uh, working. Uh, and what I've been concentrating on instead is working at home and teaching my kids the value of work and, um, uh, and completing all of the projects that I, you know, was never able to finish because of any number of reasons that could be made up. But the bottom line is it could be finished. Um, uh, as far as uh, as far as my marriage relationship goes, there's been a lot of damage in the past uh, uh, from myself and from her. There's uh, there's uh, there's there's no one sided blame, uh, and not not quite sure what the future is going to be there. But what has been able to come out of uh, the last ninety days is more of an acceptance of where we are, um, not trying to uh, control. Uh, somebody that's not me, um, not being, uh, not being stuck in, uh, with some sort of, you know, ideal that, you know, I need, you know, uh, in some sort of hard fisted way or, or heavy handed way. Mm -hmm. Um, and that external uh, validation. Yeah. And the, ex and, 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 uh, you know, not needing that external validation either. So, uh, not exactly sure what the future is going to be there, but. Uh, between that and this uh, kind of, um, I don't know if you want to call it serendipitous or whatever, uh, time of global pause, um, it, uh, it, it has kind of forced a close proximity there to the point where um, we have to be able to, you know, work on alcohol communication. And um, it's actually been really, really helpful with triggers. Um, and the Patriot missile game that was developed um, uh, in the Men of Iron uh, is really useful for um, not just identifying triggers, but knowing exactly when they are happening in the moment mm -hmm. and saying, oh, yeah, I'm, that, that actually really pisses me off. But I'm able to identify that as a trigger and I don't need to react with the same kind of emotion because I know exactly what's going on here. So I'm just going to let this moment be what it is. Right. And then I will communicate about it later. 
right? Yeah. So and and those and those things, those things are huge. <laughs> and are huge. No, and just to just to touch <laughs> the on the yeah, but just to touch on the Patriot missile game, and most people won't know what that is, but it's just a it's just a tool that we use. That's just a series of questions that starts with a trigger, and we just reframe, reframe that story till yep. we get to a, a revelation and an epiphany of, and use it for actual positive, and just see what it is like. What we can control, just what we can control, and an action to move forward. And it's such an amazing tool. But what, as men, and especially tough tradesmen, right? Like, yeah, burly tough tradesmen, like hard as fuck. Guess what? Hardened is, is the word that I always use. Yeah. Hardened. <laughs> yeah. But we just jam it into our big toe is how I like yeah. to put it. Right. We'll just take that, take that feeling and just shove it down in your big toe, big toe, keep shoving it down. And all of a sudden, bam, you're throwing shit around. You're smashing shit, you yeah. know, just because something was not perfect and it had nothing to do with whatever the hell was pissing you off, but you're going to smash this or yell at this person that did nothing wrong. <laughs> right? How many people listening has heard that or done that before? Right? Like, yeah, it had nothing to do with the person that you're directing this shit to, because you held on to this and held on to it. And man, so isn't it nice just to be able to like let that loose? Like we just started working into it and getting into it, but you can see yeah. like doing that work every day. Yeah, I've been doing that every day for ten about ten months now, and it's. <laughs> Man, when you can just release that rage and release that story that's just sitting and floating around in that s- space in between your ears, like yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Way, way better than shoving it in your big toe, right? Yeah, and it's and it's um, uh, it it actually it, it makes you so much stronger because if you're mentally strong and emotionally strong uh, and able to identify the truth in situations as opposed to what happens on the surface. When you can see the entire iceberg as opposed to just the tip, that gives you so much power. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't just give you power, it armors you as well. Mm-hmm. So you can go into situations, you can actually listen to people um, who might say the most hateful shit or they might say the most hurtful thing or the most asinine thing. And you can understand that they are coming from the place of where they're coming from. And you don't have to know where they're coming from. You just have to know, okay, well, that's just what you're saying because of whatever your history and experience and emotional state right now, right? As opposed to, oh, you're saying this to me because I'm actually a piece of shit. No, fuck you, you're a piece of shit, right? <laughs> right. That's, that, that, and that's, you know, you can, you can de-escalate right off the bat. Yeah. No, man, and just, yeah, you can just see, like, at work, and I've been trying to, um, to get uh, other companies and some stuff, like, to have a look and buy into, like, that game. Like, if, if every employee at every level, like it doesn't matter executive level down to the boots on the ground. If that was part of your job was to like deal with your (laughs) shit in between your ears every day, how -hmm. much better would that be? Like, but you know, you, all these companies are looking at programs for mental health Mm -hmm. and all this stuff. Right. But it's, what are they doing to, you know, if you had that game every day and that was part of your job, you would have more production. You would have less people that are, you know, but to get to that level, yeah, it'll take a lot of time and who knows if it'll ever happen. So guess what? We have to take that shit bull by the horns and grassroots and the more tradesmen and, and people that use that tool, man, right? And just, and if you, um, 
just same with the core four, right? Like if everyone's accountable to their body, their being, their fulfillment, their balance, their relationships, and their business and money, and you're accountable to all four of those things, like you just create space. It sounds like a lot of work, right? We mm -hmm. call it the have it all lifestyle, <laughs> right? And it sounds, whew, man, that sounds like a lot of work. Like how do how can I have it all? But literally I can do that stuff, you know, in an hour and be and be done but i've i'm on fire because i said what i was gonna do right if it was 50 push-ups i did 50 push-ups i'm good right but i did mm -hmm. that and my brain says sweet you're good you know what i mean so yeah. it's just but yeah gaining that traction every day and just and getting the shit out between your ears every day creates space yeah. for your kids creates space for your wife and creates space for the most important part which is you yeah. Well, Nick, maybe that sounds like the future of um, the Awakened Tradesman movement and the Dirty Hands Reconnect project right. is, uh, you know, take it to take it to actual businesses on maybe a corporate level about um, about. Uh, well, now we're really sidebarring. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, yeah. but uh, like the company that I was just working for, um, uh, not the one I'm currently employed with, the one that I was working for for the five years previous. Um, that's run, uh, it's a small independent company that's run by uh, quite an aloof um, and um, open-minded uh, entrepreneur um, who would be incredible, would, would probably be um, interested in putting a bunch of people through coaching processes that are like this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. if there's one, if there's one, that means that there is many more. Right? No, no, that's an idea, maybe. Yeah, it's. And it's like, that's definitely bigger vision and I'm not afraid to say it. And it's just, but it's, man, I don't want anybody to have to go through what I did with, you know, and put my wife through my ex through and my kids of not really knowing their dad, like mm -hmm. having their, um, like having my daughter tell me in a car, right? Like you were never around. Like, even when you were here, you were never really around. As a 13-year-old, she did that, right? Yeah. I don't want anyone else to, to do that. Like, we are going to work away. We are going to still do that work. Somebody has to. And, yeah, we're going to do it. So how can we do that more safely? And how can we do that more connected to ourselves so, so that everybody wins? Yeah. And, th and that's the goal of that's the goal of the project. I don't like using the word goal. But that's definitely... That's the de definitely the, yeah, the vision, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? So and that, it, but all it all it starts with is just, it starts with us. All that we can control is us, and those of us that want to partake in this movement and want to get the shit out between our ears, and are, well, I'll say it, man enough to do it. That's, that's all we can do. <laughs> and yeah. If more people want to come along, that's that's better. That's definitely better. So, yeah, yeah, man. So, because the message, the message, the message is for everyone, oh, yeah. right? Nope. And the way that you, the way that you and I, uh, the, the way that you and I connect to the message is definitely um, in in a way that is designed for tradesmen, for mm -hmm. sure. Yep. No, like I say in the logo, right? Re reconnect yourself. No one else yep. is going to do it. No one's going to fucking come save you, but yourself. And that's right. just, no one wants to admit that. And we're always, we're always looking for that, 
the next best thing or something mm -hmm. to make life easier. No, it's not easy. <laughs> no. And no one's going to come save you. Nobody. No. no, the first the first responder always has to be you. Right. Uh, they And they teach you that in every single vessel and confined space that we go in that the, that the first line of defense is your PPE and yourself, right? That's why all of our harnesses have leg straps on them now, right? <laughs> yeah. Because the first the first person to rescue has to be self rescue. Right? Yeah. They do that in uh, they do that when you're doing whitewater rafting too. They they basically say, look, the raft guy isn't going to jump in and get you. Mm -hmm. That's not happening, right? You have to do self rescue. You, you know, you gotta you gotta come over, and then they show everybody how to like dunk, mm -hmm. you know, your partner so that you know you use a, a life preserver. Um, uh, sorry, your life jacket to your benefits, dunk you and then pull you in. Yeah. Okay? But, but, but the first line is self, the first line is self rescue. No, exactly. But what do most, what do most men do when they get into that area of, of, I don't know what the fuck is going on. Like yeah. what do most men do? They'll drive shit down. They'll get angry and then go yep. sedate. They'll run yep. to the bottle. They'll run to the crack pipe. They'll run to whatever like exercise, you know, mm -hmm. I, yeah, me, definitely. Ran to exercise to go figure to not want to be in the present moment, right? Yeah. Not have to deal. We all have our shit, right? Yeah. I was uh, I was an addictions guy too. Um, not with drugs or alcohol, but with food. My uh, I uh, my mm, I, I dealt with it with uh, cheeseburgers. <laughs> yeah. And that sounds funny and everybody laughs at that, but actually food addiction is worse. Yep. Than uh, than a drug or alcohol addiction because there's no cold turkey on food, <laughs> right? Yeah. You you have to change your entire relationship with food, yep. right? So yeah, but it's figuring out yeah why is that like and that's a whole other deal. But most like and and actually and being in rehab and and when I because I wasn't there for drugs or alcohol, it was just figuring out like how could I feel something again. Like I wasn't really feeling anything and it, I, I didn't get it. I didn't understand why, how it could get that far. Right. So yeah. that's why I went. And then I found out that, yeah, like that's, that's what most of these people are doing. These meth addicts, these alcoholics, they don't feel anything either. And they're just, they lost themselves. And for whatever, like very many, <laughs> a ton of different reasons. Right. Yeah each one of them, but what the root cause, right. Was all different, but it was similar in the fact that they weren't connected to themselves anymore and wanted to run away. Yeah. And for whatever. Yeah. So workout, eating, home shopping network, mm -hmm. Instagram for Christ's sake, right? yeah, big ticket items, <laughs> trucks, toys. Yep. Exactly. Right. Like, man. So, so this is what we try. This is, yeah, the whole purpose of everything is just to realign ourselves and and actually do what we want to do and not settle. You know, it's like yeah. we, we talk about the island and the men of iron, right? It's yeah. Where do you want to go in your island? What what does that look like? And you yourself struggled with that one to to because you didn't want it. Didn't not once you sat down and did it. We found out, but to, yeah, that's. To, that's a bit of a longer story, but it, it comes from just my childhood of always uh, taking care of my sister and taking care of my mom. And that being an empowered thing that comes back to generational programming too. Yep. You know, when dad, when my mom and dad, when their marriage 
uh, ended, you know, we had a conversation. My father empowered me to be the man of the house and to always take care of mom and, uh, my, mother and my sister. And what that, what that says is you're not important. Yeah. Right. The mission, the mission is important. Like Mike Tyson's old coach, right? <laughs> you don't matter. You don't matter. The victory matters. The mission matters. Right. And when you grow up like that, you don't think about the future. So I've lived in that temporary state, like I've talked about, mm-hmm. where they've been survival mode um, for too long. And to think about what, what the possibilities could be two decades from now is just something that, I mean, once I did it, of course, the ideas came, but it just, it just felt like, some kind of dream, like it felt like a movie or a dream, yeah. but, but it was just something that, you know, I, I just avoided facing. No, but how many, how many people, and especially men, they, yeah, we all have our story, no matter what it is, like I say, generational or however our childhood, whatever it was that had led us to the fact that, yeah, we're just not doing what we actually want to do. Yeah. And when it comes to like business or what what job we want to do, we just landed in something, just randomly landed in it. I landed in welding. Quick side note: landed in welding because I didn't have enough enough money to uh, to keep drinking the way that I was and partying. So that's how I <laughs> fell into the trades. Right? Like oh, yeah. a, a dude on my slow pitch team, I'm like, hey, anyone hiring? Like, I didn't care. I'll go do whatever. So I fell into it. it. Happened that I loved it. So that was something. But how many people land into something just like that? But then they're stuck where they don't want to be. And yeah, and I've actually, I've actually mentored uh, or coached, if you want to use that word, um, just by being in the trade. I've, I have swayed quite a few apprentices. Um, about like, look, you hate this. You hate life every day you're at work. So don't, don't do this. Don't, don't become a journeyman because once you become a journeyman scaffolder and get a taste of that money, you're, you're, you won't be able to do anything else and you'll be stuck doing this. Right. So if you love being a musician or if you love some other tree, or if you love working with something else, Right. When you're young and still deciding on your career and you don't have kids or a relationship or a mortgage yet, go fucking do that. Like, go fucking do that. Do that. Right. Don't stay in a trade that makes you hate life while you're doing it. Because, again, it comes back to we spend our entire lives doing that. Uh, most of our waking hours doing the, the trade that earns us money. Right? Mm-hmm. So if you don't like it, do something else. hundred percent. So it's. Yeah, man, it it drives me. Yeah, but you just fall into that, and then you go yeah. buy you buy a bigger truck, and then you buy a bigger house, and then you buy a boat, and then you got yeah. a side yeah. by side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my father. Oh man. Yeah, my father did that. Um, my father wanted to be a photojournalist, <laughs> and um, it was a really good photographer, and um, but was uh, he was in the foster system. And um, he had to he had to earn for everything that he had to pay his entire way for anything. And he decided to go into the trade to pay his way to school. And he decided, okay, well, uh, and he was working for a home builder at the time anyway. And um, he just decided, okay, well, I'm a carpenter now. I'll get my red steel because then I'll just always have the red steel and I'll uh, I'll use that to pay my way to school. But of course, in the time it takes to get that red steel or complete your apprenticeship, right? That's when you know. You meet a woman, you know, you get married, 
uh, you know, then it's like all that other stuff that you just said, right? And then you're stuck doing that. Now, some people actually like my um, can learn to love it. Yep. Right. They can learn to love it and they can learn to be, you know, driven by it and be passionate about it. But uh, there is other people, and I've worked with way too many of them that hate it and know that it's the only way that they can, you know, um, produce the amount of money that they need to produce. And then they're really stuck. And that those people are dead already. Yep. Exactly. And then, yeah. uh, and then something like COVID comes around and then you don't have, or another oil drop or whatever, and now we're not producing the money that we used to, and now you're stuck. So in that, right, if you didn't have the, you know, there's no crystal ball, but if if you had to gather, if we weren't working together during this COVID times, how would that have turned out for you in the past couple months? If you didn't have the co or, you know, the group holding you together and, and a place to, to vent what's going on? Uh, well, it would definitely be different. Um, it would definitely be different because um, the probably the greatest benefit of being able to do that isn't necessarily having a safe place to talk. I have quite a few friends that I can be extremely open with, mm-hmm. but it's the accountability of getting work done. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm just holding myself accountable, me, just like probably a lot of people, instead of, except for, you know, like the most driven people in the world. Um, all of that would fall over the wayside anyway, right? It would be like, yeah, I'll do that today. And then it's like, ah, fuck, well, I fucked it up. Okay, well, um, I'll do it twice tomorrow, right? Or, uh, you know, and it just gets, it, it wouldn't be consistent. And that's what the secret of this group is, is, is um, uh, going through the tools, everybody supporting each other, but the accountability is the biggest thing, right? Mm-hmm. So you're accountable to your brother. And the way that you've designed it, yeah, um, I don't know how many secrets we can tell here, no, right? No. But it's, uh, you've done it very military style, which I really appreciate, right? So it's like, okay, you know, this brother didn't complete his core four. Everybody else has to do, you know, uh, 10 burpees or 10 push-ups or, or whatever, right? Right. This guy that didn't do it, he doesn't have to do that. But everybody else does, right? And it, and it shows that no man is left behind, mm-hmm. right? Just like the seal. Yeah. Uh, or sorry, or sorry, that's the army range. <laughs> well, we like um, to call it lifting the log for your brother, right? Because, yeah. yeah, he chose for whatever reason, whatever story, and it's not a punishment. It's just, it's just everybody else in the group just showing support that they're there for him, right? Yep. And yeah, one because so many people think that you know that if that happens, that if people around them are having to do work for you, you know, they feel you know, for the most part, you're going to feel like it's negative, right? Because somebody, but it's totally different. If other people are helping you show by showing you support, by doing the work that you chose not to do, Mm -hmm. it's because they love you. And it's like, they respect you being in their space. And how many people have that in their lives where they can rely on people that they never knew 90 days ago and now, and that's the, and that's what we love about the group is, is just everybody's, um, the way everyone comes together when they're being vulnerable and they're being accountable to their own shit. And mm-hmm. yeah, most people don't have that. Um, no. And it's lives. especially hard for, like you said, hardened tradesmen, mm-hmm. uh, men in general, especially middle-aged men, because, um, those of us that are still Gen Xers, 
um, or even or even um, or, or even uh, older um, uh, even older um, uh, uh, millennials, right? We're we're still from the same programming of like you know men need to be hard and unfeeling. And um, in uh, in recent years, I would say in the last decade or so, uh, that and the patriarchy have come under um, you know so much uh, like microscopic. Uh, sorry, microscope like um, uh, inspection that it's uh, that it's not a thing anymore. Like those two things aren't a thing, right? Men don't have to be hard. There's there's not a there's not a need for that, mm-hmm. right? Um, and even even soldiers that you know look down a scope of a rifle and shoot somebody in the face, like you can't be a normal human being and do that, right? But they still are uh, if if they're too hard, that that affects them later in their life, you know, when they're not soldiers anymore. Right. Uh, and that's why there's so much therapy concentrated on uh, PTSD now, because um, that is something that's real and affects people. If you shut off parts of it, then you start to uh, everything starts to crumble. Yeah. Right? And that's what I that's what I see in a lot of people that are um, um, that do work away. Right. Is that, yeah, you're just you're shutting off parts to, like, protect yourself yeah. from being gone. Or it doesn't matter. Even if you're grinding for 16 hours a day and still going sleeping in your own bed, it's it's a lot of the same things. It's just, yeah, and that's what I did. Yeah. So so uh, kind of what brought me to this. Uh, it's kind of what brought me to this. Like my life in voting in the last like you know year and a half or so um, is is doing that. So I was I was sleeping in my own bed. Um, uh, well, not in my own bed. I was, I was, I was sleeping in my house, you know, with my wife. Yep. Um, the, uh, um, but uh, I would be gone for so long that sometimes I would not see the kids at all. So I'd be leaving at five o'clock in the morning, um, or uh, and I would be, I would be getting home sometimes after their bed. So I would go days and days without seeing the kids sometimes, and yeah, during the course of the day, I'd forget to like, contact them and talk to them, and. Um, uh, uh, I would always, I, I would always see them at least, you know, a couple of days out of the week. So it wasn't like I was completely gone in a way, but they got used to me not being around mm-hmm. and me not being a factor. Right. And, um, uh, and, uh, like, uh, no rule applied unless mom said, because I, I wasn't a reigning authority or anything. Yeah. And so it doesn't matter if you're away for, you know, three weeks or a month at a time or whatever, right? Or if you're gone for 16 hours a day when you live in the same place, yep. it's still, if you're still not present. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, and it's, like I say, it's not being a psychiatrist. It's just dealing with, you know, in a productive manner, what that's actually happening and addressing that something is going on mentally that, man, you're gone. Your kids, like, you know, you you sense it, right, that things are changing, but you just keep on doing what you're doing. And then three months down the road, it's the same six months. All yeah. of a sudden, it's 10 years and you've been doing the exact same thing, the exact same way, getting the exact same results. And then all of a sudden you're served with freaking divorce papers because yeah. it's because you never and you're like, what the hell happened? Like, this yeah. is I'm all, I'm talking 100 percent me like the you feel like, well, what happened? Like, did, how could you possibly do this right now? But all it was, it was year after year after year of the same shit showing yep. up in the same way. 
And that's the beauty of, of this now with the program is you're dealing with that shit every day. So you can't, you're not just going to let 10 years go by and be in the same spot, if not worse, <laughs> worse off, yeah. right? You're dealing with all parts of your life, right? So you're having a yeah. body that, that works. You're connected to yourself and your being and doing things that fulfill you, right? And your relationships, you've had to deal with them every day. Every day you're working on your relationships with people that matter, right? And yep, you're making absolutely. the money and you're making money the way that you want to make money and un- and making the amount of money for the most part or trying to get to that place because you want to, not because yeah. you think some sort story that I have to make $300,000 a year this year because I just want to. No, it has to be relevant. So that's all of the stuff that we work in in the program, and it's done every day. And then yep. just weekly check-ins, right? Weekly check-ins with the group, and everybody's learning off of everybody else. It's cool watching the faces when something clicks, when somebody else is saying something, and then they're like, oh, I'm going to yeah. use that. I'm totally- yeah, we all, we all give the thumbs up or whatever, yeah. <laughs> I'm totally going to use that, right? So it's super cool. So, no, I love it. I love it. So, no, um... No, I'm excited for the things that are coming ahead in your life and how things are going with that. And um, yeah, it's just yeah, when you it's just getting clearer and clearer on what you want and why you want to yeah. do it, right? Yeah. And yeah, one thing one thing that I teach my daughter all the time, um, because of course she's uh, she's basically a mini me. Um, she's extremely outgoing and she's nine. Um, but she was having problems last year with, uh, girls being mean at school and she didn't know why that happens. And, uh, I call it our toolbox. Like we, we, we need tools to be able to deal with that. So I tell her, okay, well, when people are like that, that's actually nothing to do with you at all. Nothing whatsoever to do with you you at all. That means that whatever girl said that to you is hurting inside herself. She's broken somehow. Something has happened to her. Right. And she needs to be able to let it out in some way. And she only knows how to be let it out by the just like any other kid. Right. And so I tell her about like um, we, we've created this um, we've created this uh, thing about uh, having having a toolbox. I was keeping the tool toolbox full and putting different tools in it all the time. And that's how to you know navigate those situations to keep your keep your toolbox to full all the time. And that's what this that's what the coaching does. So, you know, the tools that I've gained in the last 90 days are core four, Patriot Missile game, um, identifying triggers, and, um, and, and those tools alone, uh, and learning how to use them and getting good at using them and being consistent, yep. uh, have improved all of those areas. Yeah, and then it's cool because once we get traction and then we start adding some more, some more stuff in, you know, we we set some 90-day targets, and then it's learning how to to implement and reach those, right? So it's yeah, but it's just consistency, and it's like, man, yeah, how can I work 12 hours a day and still fit this stuff in and make it make sense? But you notice that because you're doing it, it's not work because you're actually yeah. doing stuff that you enjoy. And that's mm-hmm. the cool part about it. And and that's why most of us find stuff a lot of work because, man, if I'm a marathon runner and I choose to go run a marathon, I'm going to hate every minute that I got to strap those running shoes on and go do it. Like, is that what I want to do? No. 
So it's finding why you want to do things and make yeah. it relevant to you. So yeah, it, that's right. No, it's super cool. Like I say, I'm excited how where things are going to go and uh, in your life. And yeah, and yeah, I just love it. So let's, uh, where can people find you? I guess Heath. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, listeners can find me on Instagram at Heath Kai Official. That's H E A T H K A I Official. Um, that Instagram account has actually been changed a few times. It started off as YYC Burger Review, and that was part of that was part of like my food addiction days and whatnot. And I used to write about food, but now I write about transformation and um, a lot about parenting and um, a little bit about relationships and um, but mostly about transformation yep. uh, and and mindfulness. And, um, uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the, that's the best resource. Uh, everything that I do is broadcast on there. So if people follow Heath Kyle official, uh, then they'll know everything that's going on. Um, uh, uh, my daughter was just talking the other day about, uh, us, uh, well, I was talking to her about it and she reminded me the other day about, uh, her and I starting a podcast, the daddy daughter podcast. That's I don't awesome. know how many people are doing that. Um, so that'll be a thing in the future. And um, I've already started uh, jotting down a couple of things for possibly my first book. And this is the first time I'm actually kind of saying it out loud in any kind of medium or form. So uh, people that have listened to the podcast uh, for this long will know that I have now set that intention. <laughs> That's I, yep. I want to write a book at all, uh, right now. But um, I don't have any uh, website or anything like that. But uh, people follow Instagram, Heathcow Official. Everything's on there. Sweet. No, man, I appreciate your time, and like I say, we appreciate any tradesman that wants to come on and, and just talk about the struggles, right? Because it's, yep. not, all, it's not all paychecks and, and bank, right? Like, there's a lot that goes along with this life and this yep. lifestyle, and yeah, it's just learning how to deal with that shit and make it make sense. So, yeah. no, man, I appreciate it. Okay. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you, Nick, <laughs> and I appreciate you. I appreciate you uh, actually creating this movement. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've had an idea like this for a while, but um, you have actually made something like this, <laughs> and uh, I think it's going to change people a lot, and it's going to be able to reach a lot of people and help people. Oh, I appreciate it, and then we'll uh, yeah we'll catch up along your journey. I think we'll have you back later on, and yeah, we'll catch up and see how this is all going. Perfect. I always have a lot to say, Nick. You know that. <laughs> sure do. <laughs> All right. We'll sign off there and check you guys later. Thanks. Thank you for listening to today's Tale from the Trench. Make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you found me on. Please follow me on Awakened Tradesman on Instagram and DM me to discuss customized coaching living this oil field lifestyle. You can live a fulfilled life and still do this work. Talk to you again next week, and I appreciate all of you for listening.